Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 32 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to go say Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt Jay and with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. It's a beautiful day here in sunny Cleveland. It is a gorgeous day. Flowers are blooming. Yeah, it really is. is. Got back from the farmer's market, got some fresh produce. I'm starting to get able to get like fresh greens again, which is rad. Nice, nice. There's a house around the corner for me that their entire front lawn is like tulips and daffodils and uh, dandelions. So there is like this one or two weeks in the year, like right when everything starts to bloom, that it's just this really great sort of thing right around the corner. So that's awesome. That's uh, that's just a little report from uh, beautiful Cleveland. Anyway, (laughs) this week we're watching episode 32. It's called the the Ogre's Golden Kick, but that. Sounds super fun. Oh, dude. The Ogre's Golden Kick is the bomb. But that could be soccer or kung fu, and I would be equally happy. I, I think you're going to be happy on both counts. It's been a while since I've watched it, but uh, the dude gets kicked. There's a lot of right kicks. On. I'll tell you at least that much. <laughs> okay. Um, so, starring Jet Li. Before we get into it, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What's our first star of the week? Our first star of the week, Matt, is that I am starting this year's annual One Act Festival uh, coming up pretty soon, which is super fun for me. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, okay. So I, I mentioned earlier in a couple episodes ago, quite a few episodes ago, I guess at this point, that we do a main stage show at the school every year. But as a second show, just, you know, the more shows you have, the more kids can get involved. And that's cool and fun. And so what I do is that in the spring or sort of you know early spring kind of end of the school year style is that we have a one act festival and we do a series of one acts and they're all student directed i just sort of i oversee everything but i get a couple of seniors who you know look like they might feel like they might be interested they pick a show they we you know we let everybody know when auditions are going to be they sit in, they run auditions, they decide kind of who they want in their shows, they direct it. Um, it's a really neat, like, it's super fun. It's kind of low-key, like, it's a low-stress theater thing. Um, but yeah, it's a neat experience for them. And this year, actually, we are doing a... We're actually not doing one-acts. Normally, what we would do is we do three one-acts, because a one-act usually runs... I don't know, 20 odd minutes, Okay, give or take. What we're doing instead is a series of six 10 minute shows. And oh. it's, uh, yeah, and it's from a series. It's kind of like a, like a 10 minute play is sort of like its own genre. Okay. Right? There's like a full length play and then a one act and then like a 10 minute show, which is like you drop in, you see like this short little thing and then you're out. But what we're doing is it's a series of 10-minute shows by a guy who is on the board of education for the city in which I work, and he is a professional playwright. Like, that's his job. Oh, he no way. Puts on, yeah, like, he has, he has he, uh, just produced a couple of shows in New York of his work, and, um, you know, is he, I mean, like, that's how he puts bread on the table. I don't know, like, how successful you would need to be to be considered, like, successful, but I figure if you can like if you can eat and like pay all your bills doing something, then you're successful at that thing. Especially if that so thing he's is su- writing plays. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. Um, exactly. So we're doing a series by him. I was really hoping it would be like a world premiere, but apparently they have been done at another local playhouse around in and around Cleveland. Um, so it's not a world premiere, but it is still pretty neat. No, it's still a really it's, fun uh, idea. It's very much homegrown. And all of the shows are set in and around Cleveland. So look, there's one set at the Cleveland Clinic. There's one set on the RTA. Uh, there's one set at Legacy Village, actually, which, if you're not from around Cleveland, is like a, I don't know, it's like a weird little, it's like a, it's like an outdoor mall, I guess. Yeah, one of those sort of like fancy outdoor look. malls that tries to yeah. look like a old town sort of like 
it's European weird, actually. shopping district. Yeah, area. I find the whole I find the whole conceit actually slightly disconcerting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's kind of what's going on for me right now. So Matt, what is our second star? Uh, Dave, our second star of the week is all garbage Batman news. Yeah, so it's kind of a black hole. So we got yes. a black hole as our second star. So first of all, uh, have you seen, Dave, the first official picture of Jared Leto as the Joker? Yeah. The one where yeah, I like, did. it's a little tough to tell if he thought the movie was called Suicide Squad or Suicide Girls. Yeah. <laughs> hey, nice See what I did there. there. Anyway. No, no, no. That um, was good. Yeah. That was solid, solid comedy. Listen. Uh, I don't know how much I can t- say about it that you probably haven't already seen, but if you haven't seen this picture, go look it up. Uh, he has yeah. like laughter, like ha ha ha, tattooed all sort of crazily on parts of his body. He's well, got... and very specifically, Matt, it's that sort of like um, I think Bill, it was a Bill Mantlo that did this. He would include like the Joker's laughter, not in a um speech bubble but you would see it it would be like a special effect lettering in the same way that you would also see like boom and kapow like in in lettering in comic books you would see joker's insane laughter kind of in the background it's actually a really cool effect and it's that thing yeah um, it's like that look on is that bill mantlo no no who bill mantlo was a writer for marvel who like he came up with Sorry. raccoon and he wrote uh Rom who Space am Night. i thinking of you might you be were so much better about this than um, i am like i can see the artwork in my head drew the killing joke was that brian boland drew the killing joke i think I think it may have then been. You might be thinking of Brian Boland, or maybe you're thinking I think of I might whoever be. drew uh, the Joker's Five Way Revenge. Yes, yes, that's who I'm thinking okay. of. Who is that? Give me just a second. It's not the book is across the room from me. I got to look it up. <laughs> so okay. So while you're looking that up, Matt, yeah, man, this picture of the Joker. He's got like a bunch of tattoos. He's got like a weird smile tattoo on his. I think his right arm. And he's got a tattoo like right at his hairline that says "damaged." It's just in he's like, got, like weird, elegant in. cursive. Yeah, it's very. I don't know, dude. It's kind of weird. It's just. I don't know. You know, I think my the bummer thing about it is like okay, so. It, okay, it's difficult to compare. Oh, Dave, because it obviously, is the, uh, the little-known artist, Neil Adams, who I should have known right off the top of my head, but didn't. Well, I was so, I, that's why I was surprised that you didn't know it off the top of your head. I'm not great about that, but you usually are. Um, okay, I, I understand. It's got to be difficult for Leto to jump into this role after Heath Ledger's like legendary performance as the Joker. But, like... It's such a weird off take about the Joker. I feel like they've latched onto all the wrong things about the character, if that makes sense. Which I think is actually a general problem with the new 52 and the Joker anyways. Is that the new Joker is like, I don't know, it's stupid. It's, it's like he cut off his face and then he attached his own face back to his face. With belts. Like guys. With belts. Like, really, guys? I don't know. Like, that's just, I don't know, it's kind of dumb. Yeah, it's... Like, it just does nothing. Uh, yeah, this version of the Joker, it, it might be somebody's cup of tea, but that person probably doesn't drink tea. They probably drink Four loco out of a teacup and then smash that teacup on, like, <laughs> somebody else's wall. Yeah, I don't know, man. It just... I I had to think about all the things that I don't like about it or like exactly why I don't like it, but I really don't like it. And the other, let's, okay. So we are in agreement that that is possibly the worst way that could have gone. Um, yeah. The other yeah, it would be difficult to imagine. Troubling Batman news that I heard just yesterday mm-hmm. announced at C2E2 is going to be a, another follow-up to The Dark Knight Returns from Frank Miller. Ooh. Which, okay, if... Uh. If, like, somehow someone could, like, cast a spell 
and bring mm-hmm. back 1988 Frank Miller to write this, that would oh, be yeah. the best. Glorious. Like, Frank be Miller the, the used thing. to be so good. Like, I was just rereading his Daredevil stuff because I was watching the TV show, so I reread Born Again. And Dave, have you read Born Again? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, you've got that uh, Marvel Unlimited account going oh, on. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. Go back and read Born Again. That is some good, good comics. Like, yeah. Like, Frank Miller, at some point in his life, knew how to write some of the best comics going. Oh, yeah. Like, he was fantastic. And the Dark Knight Returns is legendarily great. Yeah, it's it's amazing. But if you... Basically, I feel like this new one, which, by the way, is called Dark Knight 3 The Master Race, which already, mm. not a good starting off point, not a great especially, thing to name drop. <laughs> especially because it was Frank Miller who, like, two, maybe three years ago, caught, like, a lot of flack for being, like, pretty openly racist. Oh, you talking about when he put out that book, Holy Terror? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. him. That was the one. It's like, Frank Miller, really? I just... It's like, dude, you already caught a lot of, like, public flack for being really racist. And, like, even if you have it, which I hope he has, obviously. I hope he has changed his feelings on that subject. But even if you haven't, even if you haven't, maybe don't call your new book The Master Race. So, uh, and the thing is, okay... If people think, oh, there's going to be a follow-up to The Dark Knight Returns, this is going to be great, Frank Miller's doing it. Those people, I would invite you to go read The Dark Knight Strikes Again, which was <laughs> Frank Miller's first follow-up to The Dark Knight Returns. And The Dark Knight it's... Strikes Again is, like... It's not good. No, it is, like... Nah. It is, oh, <laughs> like... It's just neon garbage. <laughs> it is... <laughs> ugly as sin it like it doesn't make any sense sorry i'm just losing it on on garbage <laughs> yeah it's terrible it is it's really really bad but actually i say neon garbage the bright colors are like the colors in that book are about the only thing that i like <laughs> oh man um Anyway, yeah, so, so read The Dark Knight Strikes Again, and then think about what, like, a Frank Miller would do ten years after that. And that, I think, <sighs> is what we're going to get. Um, I, yeah, So, sadly. yeah, Batman's great, but this is a bad week for the Bat. Uh, bad week for Batman. Also, have you seen... I actually haven't gotten around to watching it. Have you seen the new trailer? I guess there's a new trailer for Batman versus Superman? Nah, I didn't watch it. Yeah, me neither. Like, that's how DC... If somehow in some bizarre universe you're listening to this, I didn't even watch the trailer. I didn't even watch the trailer. That's how uninterested I am in this new movie. Like, guys, yeah, okay, guys. So let's not continue to be bummed about that and sort of trail off into sad silences. Instead, Dave, right. what is our third star of the week? Okay, third star of the week. This is actually super cool. I talked about it. Jeez, like a month and a half ago, but I actually haven't had a chance to interact with it until this week. Is the Dragon Age DLC, Jaws of the Jaws of Hakon DLC? Oh yeah, yeah, it's killer. Like it's super super fun. My entire playthrough of the main game, I died. Like my party went down. Like maybe once or twice. And in Jaws of Hakon, like if I'm not careful, like it just happens. Like, the dudes rolling around are tough. Like, 30 seconds out of the gate, they're like, what's up? Epic ice troll. Like, just bashing your face in. I was like, I was not prepared for this. Like, I beat him, but it was a close thing. So, um, yeah, really well done, Jaws of Hakon DLC. Yeah. It's super cool. If you played Dragon Age and you enjoyed it, I definitely recommend that you pick up the DLC. Oh, dude. Yeah, I I love good DLC. Speaking of good DLC, um, there was mm-hmm. some Mario Kart DLC that dropped this week. Oh, nice! And dude, nice, like, nice. okay, Mario Kart is the one video game series that I pride myself on being pretty good at. I think that's fair. Like, that's fair. Not like you know, I would never go to a competition or anything, but like casual play, I'm pretty good at Mario Kart. You know, I've I've got the gold trophy on all, like, the 150cc and mirror track things. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Mario Kart. And so whenever they put out DLC, I just sort of buy it sight unseen. 
Um, because yeah, it's always great. You get a couple of new cards, you get a couple of new characters, but most importantly, um, there's always new tracks. And in this game, they did it a bit in the previous game too, but in this game, a lot of the tracks that they put in are actually tracks from previous games that they've sort of updated and like retooled to put into Mario Kart 8. Oh, cool. So you're playing tracks like from Double Dash and from even going back to the Super Nintendo game. Nice. That's really cool. So that's really fun. So I've gotten both sets of Mario Kart DLC. So I have like four extra cups, which are each four extra tracks. Yeah, that's rad. Um, And the other new thing that they put in is they put in a 200cc mode. Oh. Which means if you don't play the Mario Kart games or, you know, racing games in general, basically that is like faster and more difficult. And right. so now... Yeah, yeah. So it normally goes 50, 100, 150 is where it caps out. So this is like a nightmare mode, effectively. Exactly. It's like so now the most crazy difficult version. Like, not only do I have to beat these new cups, like, all the way up through 200, I have to go back and beat all the other ones that I had been sort of, like, <laughs> resting on my laurels. Like, oh, I, fin- I figured out how to beat that one ages ago and I haven't done it in a while. So now mm-hmm. I need to, like, get back into fighting shape and get all these trophies back. It's going to be fun. Um, that's probably going to be most of my day-to-day. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, I'm, when I'm done with this, I'm going to go... I think I'm actually close to the end of the Jaws of Hack-On. Like, I'm about to go do, like, the big thing at the end. So, uh... I actually considered calling you and being like, hey, you want to move this recording back a little bit so I can finish this? But that's how dedicated I am, ladies and gentlemen, to making this happen for you. So, uh... Yeah, man. Good uh, good week in video games all around. So what, Matt, is our third star of the week? Well, Dave, our fourth star of the week... Sorry, fourth star. ...is fourth star uh, a bad decision that I might make. Okay, a possibly I'm bad intrigued. decision that I might make. So you know that the uh, the dining room table that I have in my apartment is not my table. Like, that is something that is sort of on loan to me because it belongs to a friend, but his apartment isn't big enough to house it. And so it's sort of living at my place and I use it as my table. Right. Now. Yes, I am aware. That friend is moving to a larger apartment. Oh, good for him. Yeah. But that means that he's taking his table. So I have to replace the table. Now, the responsible idea, of course, is to buy a table. You know, dining room table. That would be a good plan. Maybe drive out to Ikea. Make a road trip out to Pittsburgh. You know, maybe get on Craigslist and try to find a local table that I can go out and pick up. Either one of those options, Matt. Either one would be good. Here's what I'm thinking of doing instead of those. (laughs) Okay. Is instead going on Craigslist and finding one of the many pool tables that people are always trying to get rid of. Oh, dude, people are constantly offloading pool tables. Yeah. And so just getting a U-Haul, driving out to someone's house, giving them like $200 and coming back and putting a pool table in my front room. And then just Okay, building... you would definitely, you would need another person to do oh, that Oh, yeah, I would probably need two other people, maybe three. Oh, yeah, probably three, frankly. Um, and then just sort of building a tabletop to put on top of it. Now, ah, hmm. it's one of those things that sounds amazing because then I have a pool table and I can hang out and just shoot pool in my front room, you know, drink a martini, shoot some pool, have some what? people over. Mm, it would be yeah. the best. On the yeah, other hand, style. then I have this pool table, which as we have said, people are always trying to get rid of because once you have it, it is an albatross around your neck that you cannot get away from. Right. Like it is you the just have to leave it. that drags you down every time you try to move house. Okay, so I think the big problem, Matt, would be how low a chair would have to be to get under the pool like you can get your knees under the pool table to how high you would have to like the it's it's a thick table. You see what I'm saying? Oh, I see what you're saying. These these are all the issues that I have on my like be, pros and cons only, spreadsheet. It would only work for like really tall people, I think. Perhaps. Perhaps. Because there are different pool table configurations. This isn't a problem that we're going to solve right now. It's just something that I've been thinking about nonstop all week, so I had to bring it up. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, so I will update you if I buy a pool table. Um, and that will further update you as to whether or not that was a good decision. Okay. But, Dave, 
what is our fifth star of the week? Okay, uh, our fifth star of the week, Matt. I feel like you should actually take lead on this, although we've been chatting about it. So obviously, we may have mentioned before, it kind of maybe comes up sometimes, that we both are really into tabletop role-playing games. Yes. And so we were chatting with some friends of ours via email, and one of them had an idea, or maybe it was you actually had the idea, of what if you made a, a Super Sentai RPG, but but you you had to build the team like as a whole and you had to like conform to the sort of vague rules of the super sentai series as laid out in the show like across the years so there's always a red ranger and he's always the leader for example right and so it's it's one of those things that if you if you are a Super Sentai fan and that's why you're listening to this show, you probably already know all this. But for those people who are just listening to it, um, well, I guess I don't really know why else you would listen to it. But thank you. Welcome. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, the shows follow a sort of set of unwritten, or maybe they are written somewhere that I haven't seen, um, right. guidelines. So... You know how Ko showed up and became the White Ranger around episode 17? Like, the sixth Ranger almost always shows up around episode 17. The Red Ranger is always in charge. There is always a Blue Ranger. Um, there is almost always a Yellow Ranger. Mm -hmm. If there is a female on the team, they are almost always the Pink or White Ranger. If there are two females on the team, the secondary one is almost always a yellow ranger. Oh, okay. Um, if the yellow ranger isn't a female, very often it will be, like, a bigger or stronger character. You know, the... Uh, like, physically, yeah. like, they're kind of like a tanky character. Yeah, that was the case in Jetman. Uh, he was sort of like a bigger dude. Um, it was the case in Time Ranger... He was like this, oh, sort of okay. like you know, gladiator from the future. Time Ranger was cool. Um, oh, neat. And so, you know, like the Green Ranger, if the Green Ranger is not the sixth Ranger, if he's one of the main team, then the okay. Green Ranger and the Black Ranger are always kind of they're kind of interchangeable, which is why you'll rarely see a team with both a Green and a Black Ranger, unless one of them is the sort of sixth ranger who comes in later in the series. So there's this whole thing that I feel like if we were to sit down and watch the first one or two episodes of like every series and really mm -hmm. hash it out, we could come like up you with could... like the grand unified theory of how Super Sentai teams are arranged. Oh, okay. And so we, ha we are thinking about having a weekend where like, you and me and producer Mark and our friend James uh, and maybe our buddy Cody um, will all come out and just, like, sit down and hash this out and just, like, hammer out a spreadsheet. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it is a monumental waste of time, but it's something that I and really yeah. want to do. Huge, huge waste. Almost an incomprehensible waste of time, especially considering... Almost guaranteed we will never actually play that game. Oh, we might not even write that game. I just want to I want to figure out You just out want the, the chart. I got you. I got No, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh dude, listen, I have spent probably a solid 3 hours this week just working out a spreadsheet for the demographics of the LARP game that I play because like somebody asked about it. I was like, "Huh, that's a good question." Dude, it's broken down by like what, like how many of what mystical race there are, like as a percentage of like the overall population. What's the population density? How many of each like magical race live in like each pretend kingdom? I hear you, is what I'm okay. saying. Okay. Anyway, like, I understand the, the desire to know those things. We, however, Matt, we need to get moving. I was just going to say... This has taken far too long. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to watch The Ogre's Golden Cake. Go see Sentai Dire Ranger episode number 32, and we will be right back with you. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 32, and Dave, what on earth happened? Um, There's an inexplicable... 
inexplicably Mexican-themed monster. Yes. With a peg leg that he replaces with a golden leg. And he also has birds. It's a lot going on. It's There's a lot going on in this one, folks. Okay, so scene one, it's a dude in what looks like a van. We see it from like the inside, and uh, I, it looks like a pet delivery. Actually, at first I thought it was Daigo, because like, I could just see him from behind. And I was like, oh, Daigo works in a pet store. This is like a van full of cages of birds. Maybe Daigo is delivering pets to people? Yeah, and it's not a regular van. It's like... I'll try to remember. It's like to, a school bus. I was gonna say I'll try to remember to put up a picture of it. Kind of looks like a school bus. It kind of looks like an RV. A little bit. Um, yeah, that's fair. It it definitely has a distinct look, and it looks out of place amongst all the other vehicles that we've seen just sort of driving around Japan in this show. Yeah, that's totally true. So it just stops like a nor. It just stops like a, like a park or something, and this dude gets out, and he's got on like a poncho cloak and then like a world war ii japanese infantryman's hat he's got kind of yeah he's got sunglasses and stubble yeah and uh and he's got like a giant like vulture eagle thing with him like it's not clearly a vulture, but it also it what it looks like is a vulture with feathers on its head, as opposed to like no feathers. Yeah, it's a weird looking bird. I mean, it's not a real yeah. bird. This is a prop bird. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is this his, is like clearly evil like a bird. puppet. Right. It's actually a pretty cool puppet. And so, so I just have no idea what's going on. And he just like gets out of the van. And I think that's it. Like that's all. Uh, that he sets up a couple of bird cages by the side of the road, and has oh, balloons okay. on them, as though he's just selling birds, like off, you know, on a side street that's somewhere. Right. The eagle vulture that was in his mouth is also carrying a balloon, like with the string at its beak. And then he uh-huh. sends the eagle off to go like fly after something, and that's when it sort of cuts to the title s- sequence, or the title screen yeah. rather. And then we shift over to Shoji. Now, Shoji right. is in a phone booth, just in case yeah. you'd forgotten that this is an old show. Yeah, and then we see Ryu, like it cuts quickly to Ryu in bed. And Shoji is calling Ryu and like, ring, 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 like nothing's happening. Or rather, yeah, he's I, try- I think he's trying to wake Shoji up, is the, is the idea. Or he's trying to wake Ryu yeah, up. Yeah, he says... Or, sorry, right. Shoji is trying to wake Ryu up, and he says, is like, dude, Sh- Ryu, answer your phone. You're the one who asked me to call you to wake you up because you, like, had to work late or something. I don't know. I forget what it was. No, it's he's been getting into work late recently because he hasn't been waking up on time. Because oh, later right, we will right, cut right. to, like, a sort of wider shot of Ryu's room, and it is covered in alarm clocks. <laughs> the clocks everywhere. He's got one, like, hanging from a rope right above his bed, and then when he sits up in bed, he smacks his face on the clock, which really, I think, is his own fault. That just struck me as, as poor planning. But... Hey, listen, as, as so a while guy this call who has a happening. lot of trouble waking up, sometimes you need to, like, do weird things to sabotage your ability to go back to sleep. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so, what we see then is... We cut back to the park where the bird has, like, he flies over the park, and then he lets the balloon go, and he just, like, starts attacking people. Right, now... But then it cuts away. No, Shoji hasn't noticed this yet, because I think he's sort of around the corner yeah. from it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryu That's definitely hangs up on him, and Shoji gets the bright idea, like, oh, I know what I'll do. He pulls out his aura changer, <laughs> uses it as a communicator, and shouts at Ryu, like, Ryu, you have to wake up. The Goma are attacking. Ryu, at this point, this is when he, like, springs <laughs> so out Ryu. of bed, cracks his head on the right. alarm clock, falls over onto another pile of alarm clocks. And um, he's like, wait, what? What's going on? And she's just like, ha, I knew that would get you up. Like, come on, man, you're going to be late for work. Uh, Fantastic. Ryu is furious at him and hangs up on him on the communicator, which I did not know was an option that was built into those devices. But apparently you can just hang that up. Seems, 
That seems like a bad idea. I feel like you actually shouldn't have that ability. Well, no, maybe you should. Because they never seem to take their aura changers off. So it would be weird if you were just like in the shower and your aura changers like goes off. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah. There's the vulture flying around the park. And the little girl, there's just like a little girl. And she gets picked up by the vulture. And the vulture is like stealing her away. Shoji to the rescue. He like runs out. Like, I think he like kicks the bird or something. I don't remember exactly what he does. But he rescues the girl, and in his search for safe haven, he just runs back to the uh, phone booth. Yeah, and so they both sort of get like, inside the phone booth for right, you know, protection from birds. Yeah, doesn't work as well as they would have hoped because this bird apparently it's like a goma bird, I guess. It, by the way, the guy is clearly a goma. Like, obviously. oh yeah, the guy yeah. with the it's the like a goma bird. Bus, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, not like Shoji clearly. And so the bird just picks up the whole phone booth and flies away with it. And drops it off at the quarry. Yeah, it's just the same quarry. I, they have to have gotten, like, they have to have just, like, bought it or something. That's entirely you know what I mean? possible. Because do you see this same-looking quarry in, like, other series, Matt? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because, like, it's not just... L- let me be clear, guys. It's not just that they are filming, like, when they do all this, that they are filming at a quarry. They are filming at the same quarry every time. Like, it's very obviously the exact same location. Or all quarries in Japan look the same. Or all quarries in Japan look the same. I'm going with the former. The former actually seems a lot more likely, because... Yeah, I'm sure they either bought it or have an understanding with the mining company or something. I mean, they they must. Uh, but anyways, that's really ultimately neither here nor there. Uh, but they're the same quarry. And then, like, so a school bus is... Oh, this is the first time I feel like you've really seen this dude's car from the outside. Because it's like a school bus. It's like, what is the... Why is there a school bus? But well, it's, it's okay, the guy. No, it's, it's not the, a school bus. It's not like a yellow school bus. It is something of about those proportions. Okay, okay. I was thinking, the first time I saw it, I it seemed like it was, and so I persisted in thinking of it. But actually, looking at it again, real quickly, you're right. So, it's the it's the guy. It's the monster. And so, he, like, teleports out of his RV thing, and he greets Shoji as Amigo. Yeah, he's going to be calling a lot of people Amigo. He's going to be calling a lot of people muchacho. Uh, sometimes yeah. he will uh, do both. Uh, the the yeah. writers of this <laughs> episode clearly decided that this guy, who is the uh, birdcage vagabond, as we will later discover, yeah. has a very distinctly like Mexican flair about him. Oh, yeah. Well, but, he's about to transform into like his monster form. And his monster form is wearing, like, a straight-up, like, poncho and sombrero. Yeah, like, his body... Like, he's very His head and body is a birdcage, and he's wearing a poncho and a sombrero. Um, On top of the birdcage. On top of the birdcage. It's it's a... I I I seriously... Dude, there's got to be, like, somewhere in the writer's office for this show, they have got to just have, like, a giant wall with, like, note cards on it. And they just spin someone in a circle three times, and then they throw a dart at the wall. Like, that's the only thing that makes sense. It's like, okay, this one is going to be... These uh, he's going to be a, a birdcage monster. Okay. Okay, so what's his other okay, thing? Throw right? a second dart. He's... He's Mexican? Okay. Mexican birdcage monster. And really, like, first of all, I super hope that that is in fact, or something like that, is how they do this. Like, I don't care if they've got, like, balls in a hopper. But the point is, is I want it to be totally random, and I want there to be, like, a really intense rule for the writers of Super Sentai that, like, that's just it. Like, you don't get to change it. Like, there's no do-overs. You can't, like, throw a third dart. You don't take two out of three. Like, you just get the two things that you get, and then it's just like just make it happen. Like make somehow happen. you have Mexican to make this thing monster. work. Okay. Right. Now I just, the problem I want that to be true so much. The problem with this particular thing is that it's very clear that the writers of Die Ranger don't know Spanish at all. 
Like at all. Uh, they know like a handful of words. They, clearly. I think that they just sort of picked five words at random. Well, not entirely at random. You know, they. Picked... I was gonna say. I mean, like they use like they use the words correctly. Sometimes we will get to a part Sometimes. where they do not. <laughs> um, right. Well, okay. But like, yeah, they just chose like, okay, he will call people amigo. He will say adios. He will throw in muchacho sometimes. Um, and I think that's about it. And they just sort of vaguely pepper it in there. Um, to sort of oh. jarring effect. Now I should say, I really like this monster. This is one of my favorite, like monster of the week monsters. Like, not necessarily oh, yeah. for he's the, great. like, weird birdcage aspect, but, like, as the episode goes on, like, he's a cool... You will see. He's cool. So, speaking of the episode, yeah. moving oh, on. actually, Matt, hold up. Speaking of amazing things that are sort of Mexican, uh-huh. uh, Machete Kills Again in Space is actually happening. Oh, like, no way. Yeah, they teased it at the end of Machete Kills, and we are, we're getting Machete Kills again in space. Uh, (laughs) I can't wait. I can't wait. Guys, if you haven't seen Machete or Machete Kills, you have to. You have to. You need, like, is when you are done with whatever you are doing when you watch this episode, just go do it. Just go watch Machete Kills and Machete Kills in space, or uh, Machete Kills again. The promo shot for Machete Kills, again, in space, is Danny Trejo with a lightsaber machete. Of course. I don't know. I can't advertise the show any harder than that. Like, if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Now, I'm trying to remember. Isn't the villain in that, um, like, Mel Gibson in a combo, like... Doctor Doom slash Doctor Doom mask slash Luchador mask. Yeah, basically. Uh-huh. Okay, I just wanted to double check yep. that I was remembering that correctly. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, you are. Check out the films of the, of the uh, Machete franchise, folks. Anyway, so yeah, back to this fantastic. show. Okay, sorry. So <laughs> okay, so um, so the dude, the the birdcage vagrant, has a peg leg. Okay. And the peg leg is also a machine gun? Sure. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. Well, I don't know why you wouldn't. That is actually also, Quentin Tarantino did that in a movie. I think Rose McGowan has like a machine gun peg oh, leg. Oh, yeah, that's in one of the uh, grand But anyways. Movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember which one. But, so what happens is Shoji's like, okay, I clearly can't handle this dude alone. I'm going to call him back up. So he hops on his aura changer and he's like, Ryu, like, come on, come help me. And Ryu's like, haha, not going to get me again, Shoji. So, you know, the boy who cried, Goma. Now, it- but Kaku is also on the line. <laughs> he's like, Shoji, or not Shoji, Ryu. He's like, Ryu, no, seriously, there's a Goma. Like, you need to get out there. And Ryu's like, oh my gosh. And he kind of runs and he runs to get there. Okay. Now, here's what's happening in the quarry in the meantime while Ryu is trying to get to there. Um, Right. The vagrant birdcage dude uses the force, basically, to throw the the phone booth that they're in over a cliff. Because they're still in the phone booth. Which is pretty, like... Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about that part. The phone booth starts to fall over, you know, collapse down the cliff collapse the cliff That's not right what i meant to say but you get the idea it's falling down a cliff yeah no no so shoji yeah. in a bit of quick thinking does his aura change and is able to sort of in the transformation process like grab the kid and like jump out of the phone booth which is good because what happens next is the phone booth lands and then it explodes into a huge fireball and I just have written in my notes, why is the phone booth exploding? Like, there's nothing in a phone booth that can explode. It's not even plugged in anymore. Like, it can't even have an electrical fire. It is literally just a box of glass and metal falling down a cliff onto stone. Listen, Matt, uh, if we have learned anything, maybe it's the quarry. 
maybe that's it, Matt. Maybe like whatever mineral they mine in this quarry <laughs> reacts super explosively to kinetic force like you hit it and it explodes and that's why stuff is perpetually exploding during these fights or here's another option it's a gunpowder it's a gunpowder mine matt of course the other option of course is that we know that the uh literal door to hell is only about four feet below the surface of this quarry so maybe that's just hellfire exploding out every time they crack the surface I'm I'm willing to accept either one of those options. So, uh, so Shoji is now aura changed. He like tries to fight the birdcage vagrant, but the birdcage vagrant has like a super crazy power. He literally just like gestures to people and like shoots out energy at them, and it envelops them and then sucks them into his birdcage. And inside so his birdcage first... is this sort of like you know misty dimension with broken Grecian pillars and stuff. Yeah, again, I don't know why there's, like, old Grecian stuff so hanging around. So, first he does this to the little girl, who Shoji has tried to help right. escape. And then, sort of, as Ryu is showing up, um, he does it to Shoji. And Ryu, because right. he hesitated, uh, is sort of just too He's late unable. to be able to save him. So, now Shoji's right. trapped. Yeah. So, he, the birdcage vagrant, rather, tells Ryu, he says... Tell Kaku that my leg is crying. Tell him to summon my golden leg. That's it. And then it cuts away. <laughs> it cuts away. And we see Zydos standing up on like a cliff, sort of watching this happen with like a sack over his shoulder and finishing a soda in what I can only describe as like a menacing way. Yeah, he's just like, like he's got a can of back a can of soda pop. Right, he's got a can of pop. You cut in. He's already like drinking it, and then he like <laughs> throws it away, and it's just like ah, it just it makes no like. Okay, the they never reference it. They never reference this stupid cat. No, nor do they like, reference the just... sack that he has over his shoulder. Although we've right, seen him with the sack, sack over his shoulder in the past. I have okay, yeah. I have two things to say. I have two things to say about this. Okay. First, okay. When the birdcage vagrant leaves, he leaves by like phasing into his like RV bus thing as it drives towards slash through where he is. Okay. Which is cool. Which is cool. Throughout the episode, it's like this bus is sort of like part of him, I guess. <laughs> Matt, like, I have the same thing in my can, notes. He the controls bus this bus as though it is like part of like the same way that he controls the like the eagle vulture thing. Like it's just sort of part of his yeah. whole gimmick. Like I've got a magic bus as well. Like yeah. I don't okay. know why, so, but there it is. The other thing is that my theory on the soda pop that he's drinking is that the actor was just chugging something and then they I cut see- to him. That seriously looks like what happened. Like, the dude is just having a drink. Like, waiting for the scene. And then, like, the (laughs) the bus drove by a little too fast, so he didn't have time to finish it. And so he's like, well, I'm just going to make this a character choice, and we're just going to, you know, finish the pop. You can almost see, like, somebody off camera, like, waving frantically to him to be like, you're on. It's happening. We are rolling. We do not have enough time to reshoot this. Right. Because if there's All one right. thing we and know about Die Ranger, it's it. that they probably never had time to reshoot anything. Because if they did, we would probably have gotten a better take. <laughs> well, uh, thankfully they don't matter. You and I would be out of the podcast. Okay. So we okay. cut back so, to Murder Basement. Right. And Kaku is kind of calling Ryu out for ignoring Shoji. He's like, I can't believe you did this. It's like a gross violation of our rules. And that's kind of it as far as his like reprimand goes. And they sort of ask, like, why did you do this thing? And Ryu sort of kind of starts to say it and then appears to change his mind. He's like, I um I don't and that's yeah. really unappealing to hear, like, podcasting, just like somebody stuttering into a microphone. But that's what he's doing. Yeah, and it's clear that he's sort of covering for Shoji. Right. 
Like, and he now so, feels bad that he screwed up, and so he's not going to try to throw Shoji under the bus on this one. Yeah, so, you know, uh, noble noble effort for you. And so, so, I think it's Rin asks, like, so what's, like, what's with this guy? What's he talking about with this golden leg? And Kaku kind of gives them the story that this guy, the birdcage vagrant, was, like, a super intense warrior among the Goma and he was like unstoppable and he had this like super powerful golden kick but he became what is it arrogant right he becomes arrogant in his power and somebody he gets like drunk and a warrior of the die tribe manages to like cut his leg off and like seal it away and since then he's been kind of wandering around right he was sort of disgraced and ended up like leaving the goma i don't remember if he was like driven out or if he left because he was embarrassed but in any case he's no longer actually affiliated with the goma right so and they ask kaku they're like so what's like what's the deal like what else do we know about this and kaku just says You'll know soon enough. Like, again, doesn't tell them anything. Despite the fact that we find out later, I was going to tell you later, I'll just tell you now. Despite the fact we find out later, it seems that it was actually Kaku who cut this dude's leg off. So Kaku knows the whole story, could tell them, doesn't, just, and not even, like, neglects to tell them. Like, they ask him and he actively refuses to give them any information. I don't think that he was the one who cut the leg off, because I think we see the guy who cuts the leg off. But he, I do believe that he's the one who sealed it away. Okay, okay. I thought maybe, like, I didn't look like him, but I thought maybe it's like, ah, the die warrior has, like, a thing around his face. Maybe we can't just quite tell. But in any case, it is definitely Kaku who has the leg, like, sealed away somewhere. He the, knows where the, it the, is and has the power right. to return it to the ogre with the golden kick. Oni. Oni with the golden kick is what it, I don't know. That's what it said in the thing. Uh, that that's is, that's it, a, so. That is a translation um, a blurb. sort of yeah, uh, no, disagreement actually. between uh, where I got the title that I wrote down on my notepad and the actual episode <laughs> we were watching. <laughs> Either one kind of works. Uh, okay, so we cut away from there, from Kaku being the worst, to like the side of the road, and I swear Zydos is just eating a carrot. He's like sitting on a rock by the side of the road, eat, like a Bugs Bunny style with like the <laughs> green plant attached to the top, like just eating a carrot. And again, they never talk about it. It literally just looks like the actor was like having a quick snack and they're like, you're on. And he's because he he takes the last bite and then like throws it away as though he's not supposed to have it. And then he's still got the sack, by the way. He's still carrying the sack around. Zero explanation. And he throws it away and then the birdcage vagrant shows up. And he is just sitting on top of his bus RV van thing. Just having a beer, chilling out in the hot sun. <laughs> right. Like a 40, to be oh, clear. Yeah. Um, and so he's like, he says something about his leg, and Zydo says, I forget what Zydo says. He says something about, like, I'll get the leg back for you, or something like that. Basically, the, the gist of the conversation is that Zydos would like this guy to be killing the Die Rangers. And the birdcage vagrant, A, shoots him with both his machine gun leg and his machine gun cane. Uh, yeah, and then says, like, machine guns. like, get out of here. Like, I don't work for you. I haven't been a Goma in ages. Like, you know, I'm just sort of sick of listening to you. Please leave me in peace so that I can wait for someone to deliver my leg back to me and drink this sweet, sweet beer. Yeah. And he says, I will become, the birdcage vagrant does, says, I will become the ultimate warrior again. So I guess... He had, like, his whole warrior thing is invested in this one leg. Which, once you see the leg, you will understand, because yeah, the totally rest of him sense, looks actually. kind of, well, as normal as a goma can look. But this leg is covered in, like, is... golden scaly armor stuff. Right. It's got an eye, I think. So yeah. we cut away from them, and we see Ryu sort of, like, rage sad running in a field. I don't know why. I don't know where the field is. Whatever. And he's like, Shoji, why did you, like, why did you have to either get captured or fake me out? Like, why? 
and as he is sort of angst, like shouting to himself, uh, he That's sees the, shouting. Yeah, the, he sees the bird fly by, like the eagle vulture. Oh yeah, that's right. So he chases the eagle vulture thing to down to the quarry. the quarry. I think, yeah. Uh, the bus <laughs> and phases in from out of nowhere and almost runs him fantastic. over. Fantastic, right? Like Final Fantasy style. Uh, was that actually? It was a. It was a train. That's right. That's what it was. You summoned a train to run people over. Are you talking um, Doom Train? Yeah, 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 Doom Train. Like the fire tracks come out of wherever, and you get like run over by a train. They were reaching with some of the summons, but they were cool. So the bus like teleports in. It like drives by the birdcage vagrant teleports out of the bus, and then the bus kind of like fades away. Again, I'm not sure if this bus is a real thing. I have I have no idea. Um, I'm thinking. I'm assuming that it is sort of like a phantom bus thing that you know like the goma themselves can kind of like feed in and out and like teleport and they can like summon stuff that's gotta just be what it is like there's no other explanation that makes sense so he starts shooting at ryu with his gun cane um ryu his gun leg. summons and gun leg. the other die rangers who are all coming um and this time they're riding their motorcycles which was fun to see yeah i, I don't know why but whatever uh, hey man, you've, you've yeah, got them sitting clearly, around. You may as well dust them off now and again. I guess so. Ryu clearly cannot handle this dude alone. Like he's not doing a great. Like he's trying, obviously, uh, but he's not doing much. And uh, oh no, no, no! He actually does do a pretty good job, doesn't he? At first, it doesn't look like he's doing well. He summons the other rangers, and then he's fighting, and he actually manages to get the vagrant down. And, like, that doesn't sound good. He manages to get the vagrant down. He manages to get the birdcage vagrant Goma monster down. And he's, like, threatening him with his sword. And he's like, give back Shoji and the girl. And the guy's like, no, give me my leg first. And he's like, no, give me Shoji and the girl first. And uh, and he we find out that if the birdcage vagrant dies, then so do Shoji and the girl. Right. And so Ryu, like telepathically via chi contacts kaku and is like listen dude i have no idea like you need to you need to get the leg back because at this rate we're never going to get these people out so we need to take a chance that we can beat him once he has the leg and yeah uh, like get him to give up his hostages and then we'll deal with it afterwards and kaku yeah. is just like nope now nah, we're not going to do that we are super not going to do that. You don't want to fight this guy with the leg. And he probably wouldn't give up the hostages anyway. So so we're just not. I guess we're just going to let them die in there? He doesn't say that, but he doesn't offer an alternative like solution to this problem. <laughs> right. Again, Kaku, cold as ice. Uh, that is literally so what is in my like, notes. What, Kaku is cold as ice? Yep. That's great. Um, <laughs> so brother, it, tele, tele five. Okay, so at this point, the other three rangers are arriving on their motorcycles. Uh, but... They are they are attacked by Dave. Do you wanna <laughs> do you wanna tell me what happens yeah. here? Yeah, I do. Real highlight so, moment. So the vulture guys, you see him. I don't know where he gets them, but you see his talents like just grab grenades and that like fancy goma grenades, just straight up nope, like just straight you know, pineapple United grenades. States military issue, like World War Two style pineapple grenades. And he just flies over and just drops these grenades on the Rangers as they're riding in on their it, motorcycles. It is beautiful. Yeah. Um so Kaku it, there's no explanation as to why, but Kaku apparently changes his mind and he teleports out to where like wherever the leg is there was something okay have we ever seen kaku teleport before i don't know because okay we might have earlier on when they were like going to china and back but part of that was he no he does like an astral projection yeah that was astral projection so i don't know if we've actually seen him like full-on teleport before He's because he straight up teleports. Uh, that really caught my attention. 
because the only people that we have seen teleport are Goma. So I don't know what's going on, but that was weird. It is sort of a weird moment. It comes from out of the blue. Yeah. So anyways, Kaku teleports to this like pond thing. It's a pond. It's not like a pond thing. It's just a pond. And uh, he starts like Yoda-ing this urn out of the pond. Like you know, you know when Yoda lifts the X-wing out of the uh, out of the swamp. Yep. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. He might even do the same pose. So he's lifting this urn out of the swamp, and he sort of like brings it over to shore. So Kaku and uh, Ryu obviously are you know, telepathically communicating. Somehow the birdcage vagrant is in on it. I don't really know, but he is. And so Kaku is demanding like, okay, I will give you this leg. I have it right here. I have freed it from its hiding place, but I haven't unsealed the jar yet. So free your hostages and then I'll give you the leg. And there's right. a lot of back and forth like, no, give me the leg first. Yeah, no, it's basically, free the hostages first. They're right. going back and forth. They're not getting anywhere until Zydos until, shows up out of nowhere, wherever yeah. Kaku is, and attacks him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of scuffle back and forth. It's not like super crazy, but the long and short of it is, is that the leg gets loose. Like, the urn, like, breaks or something. Zydos breaks it open with, like, an energy blast, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Zydos shatters it with an energy blast, and he, like, teleports the leg to the vagrant, who's like, ah, my leg is back. And you see him, and the leg has, like, reattached itself. And it is. It's, like, this giant, golden, like, claw-footed leg. There's, like, an eye on it blinking and looking around. Like, it's pretty rad-looking, actually. So he proceeds to then jump kick Ryu, yeah, kicks him with the kick. golden cook. There's like, you know, lightning shooting out of his foot as he kicks. Right. It's like the foot is glowing and stuff. It's pretty neat. Um, and he just like, it, Ryu says, he's like, it's too powerful. And then the other rangers show up and they also get golden kicked. Golden kicks for everybody. Like kick, 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 kick. The bird comes in and like flies past the rangers. For some reason, they explode. When it hits them, did not make know. a whole lot of sense to me. So, okay, here's something to say that we've sort of been glossing over about Oh, the I was bird. just going to talk about this. Yeah, so go ahead. The bird sort of it sort of lives in, like, the weird, like, smoky dimension that's inside the birdcage. Yeah. Right? Which is also where Shoji and the little girl are trapped. And, mm-hmm. like, and Shoji sort of... and the girl are sort of looking out through the cage like cheering on the rangers and like admonishing them to not let the monster win, stuff like that. But the bird keeps flying back and forth in and out, in and out. It sort of like turns into energy and like teleports into the monster and then kind of comes out in energy form and then solidifies. Yeah. And so it attacks them and then it flies back into the birdcage vagrant to be safe. I'm not totally sure. I'm not sure. But so... The birdcage vagrant has the four rangers sort of, you know, on the ropes. And he says, now it's time for the final attack. And yeah. he summons the bird to leave his, like, chest cage thing one more time. Yeah. But this, this is time, a great moment. It's a Go really ahead. great moment. Yeah. What happens is, as he flies over, Shoji's been watching the whole time. So he sort of has figured out what's happening. He yeah. grabs the girl, jumps up, grabs onto the eagle it is, as it's yeah, leaving. Dude. And, like... <laughs> Just like piggybacks on the teleport. It's great. It is. It's such a good idea. Um, (laughs) And then he gets out. The bird keeps flying. And Ryu is finally just like, (laughs) die buster. And he just shoots the bird. Yeah. like, And that's all it takes. Like The bird has been plaguing them this entire time. And all it took was one shot from the die buster. And then it's just a dead bird. I don't know why the die buster is just not like their go-to move. Because these things are apparently crazy powerful. So Shoji is now free. He tells the little girl to run away, which she can do safely now because she's not going to get chased by a bird. Right. Um, they go into a whole intro thing where Shoji's like, oh, your golden kick won't work on me. And the guy's like, ah, that's all talk. I'll still, I'm, I'm going to golden kick you. 
they start to do the aura change. They're getting into like these shining in the heavens. There are five stars bit. <laughs> and at this point, so this is how you know that this guy hasn't been affiliated with the Gomer for a while because he is not a huge fan of the Die Rangers. Right. He does not care at all. He literally just he's like, your intro is taking too long. I'm attacking. And he just shoots up. It's beautiful. Um, okay. So he shoots them. They sort of like scatter out of the way. And then from here on out, it's just a Ryu and Shoji party. Yeah. Um, Ryu and Shoji somehow like combine their powers. They do something called the maximum gravity wave. And they hit the birdcage vagrant with it. And he's like, what's happening? I can't lift my leg. Like it's too heavy. Yeah, like then somehow Ryu's they... chi is superpowering Shoji's chi, and they've managed to root him to the ground. And then yeah. they follow up with another sort of like big attack where Shoji is shooting sort of blue gravity energy, I guess. And Ryu blue is just like blasting fire, fire and lightning. Anyway, yeah. it's cool. And they sort of finish this phase of the fight. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, from there, honestly, like the fight continues pretty predictably like they beat the birdcage vagrant he enlarging bombs they summon dairano or they summon their kaiden beasts bujin henge they form dairano i don't think i don't think vagrant birdcage vagrant even gets a shot in does he, does. he? he tries to get in like one last golden kick but they're able to deflect it that's right and then they just like lightning sort him and that's it uh as they lightning sort him and he explodes he says adios amigos that's right because Adios these people goes. are his friends, apparently. I don't understand why. There is... You know, I've, I've noticed something, Matt. I... Okay. If I were a Goma... Sure. And and I had been beaten by the Rangers, like, in human scale form, I don't feel like I would go to the Enlarging Bomb. Because as soon as you go Enlarging Bomb, they're going to summon their Kaiden Beasts... And, like, once Dyrano's in the game, like, it's over. Nobody survives Lightning Sword. Like, well, that's I feel true. like you would have a much better chance. <laughs> like, it's like, dude, like, that's the nuclear option, and they have more bombs than you do. Like, just don't do that. Stay human scale, and maybe you've got a shot. Because as soon as Dyrano shows up, like, it's kind of over. Yeah, but, I mean, even in human scale, eventually they're going to summon the Kiryoku Bazooka. Oh, uh, yeah, good point, good point. So yeah, I, guess I guess it depends. Do you want to f- die fighting a giant robot, or do you want to die fighting a bazooka? I guess if I had to go down, I'd want it to be fighting a giant robot. Yeah, see? There you go. So there you go. Uh, okay, so game Mystery over. Dyrano. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Uh, so, you know, that's it. Dyrano lightning swords this guy. Uh, he goes down. We never got an explanation from Zydos as to what he was doing there or why he has the sack or the pop. End of scene. And then we get this nice little coda on the episode, because that's pretty much it, where yeah. uh, Ryu is dressed up in his, you know, restaurant uniform, and he's carrying mm-hmm. a box sort of walking into work, and Shoji rides by in his motorcycle. And uh, he's like, hey, man, that was pretty cool of you not to uh, not to snitch on me about about how you use the aura changer. And Ryu's like, well, hey. I, it's cool, man. Like, we're fine. Like, it's all in the past. We're cool. Like, you know, <laughs> glad you're safe. We're pals. Right. And then the voice comes in, like the voiceover guy comes in, and he's like, this all happened because of how they used their aura changers. Like, it's clearly trying to give it, like, a little morality lesson spin. Like, after the end of every episode of G.I. Joe, you know, it's like, a, and now you know, and knowing it's half the battle style moment. Like, it's very meant to be, like, an instructional piece for the viewers of the show, but, like, it doesn't actually say anything. It's like, well, this happened because that's how they use their aura changers, but now they're friends We're again, counting on you! Right. And that's, that's pretty much we're it. We're counting on you. It's like, this is only a valuable moral if we also had aura changers and we're fighting oh, the coma. It's like, guys, I don't... Yeah, this isn't a lesson that applies to me. Anyway, but so that's... he he tosses Ryu like a spare helmet. And it's like, hey, I'll give you a ride to work. They got he gets on the bike. They're very excited. Apparently, Ryu never rides on a. Wait a second. No, Ryu rides on a motorcycle all the time. He has like a yeah. crazy superpower motorcycle. I don't know why he is so excited know why this to like get on for him. like behind Shoji. Yeah, but he I is, know. and then they ride off. You know, 
cheerily to work, I guess. And that's it. That is the end of the episode. So, Dave, what is your high point of this, our 32nd episode of Ghost Sentai Diary? Hmm. I gotta go with the fact that the monster is, like, Mexican. I don't know why, but I think I was really tickled by it. Like, he's got a giant sombrero. Uh, he's using, like, random, semi-random Spanish words. Uh, it was fantastic. He's great. I really like this villain. Because, like, he's clearly, they give him a whole backstory. They give him, like, the flashback to, like, the you know, the previous era. Yeah. You know, he's got his own motivations. He's also sort of like a drunken layabout. Yeah, I dig the whole thing. Um, it's a cool, it's a very cool episode. I like this guy. Um, it is a little um, uncomfortable that they decided to make their one Mexican character a drunken layabout. Yeah, did not think about that uh, until just not now. Hu- but you're not totally hugely into that true. one, Die Ranger. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Dave, what is your low point? Low point? Ah, uh, man. Honestly, man, I can't think of a low point for this episode. It was, you know what? Just from like a narrative perspective, the episode was a little disjointed. Like it didn't make a, you know what it was? Is it was much, it was very much a sort of like Monster of the Week episode, whereas the last couple of episodes have really been fleshing out the world of Die Ranger. And so I think this episode, like it was fun, but it wasn't like some. It wasn't like the big revelations that I've been coming to expect. It was just kind of an episode. I think that's honestly the worst thing I can say about it. It was fun. It just wasn't like super crazy and wild, you know. No, I get that. It very much is a monster of the week episode after we haven't been getting it. But honestly, that's one of the things I like about it. It's sort of a palate cleanser. This and then next week, next week's episode as well. I don't know about going after that, but I know that at least this week and next week are like. Monster of the Week episodes, which is nice. Okay, no, like it cool. gives us sort of a break from all of the sort of heavy stuff. But I do, I do understand that like that could be sort of jarring after mm. the ones that we've been watching recently. How about you, man? High point? You know, for the high point, there's just a lot of little moments in this episode that all add up to like one big high point of just like weird fun stuff, <laughs> like you know, Zydos with the soda can and the. Eagle vulture dropping grenades and the phone booth exploding oh, for no reason. Was, I forgot about like, that. All of that little like toss away stuff I thought was great. <laughs> no, solid. Very true. Uh, low point for you, man? I'm going to say my low point for this episode is that... I don't know. I mean, it's mostly a Shoji and uh, Ryu episode, but we get basically nothing from the other three characters. That's a good point. Which, you know, it happens. That's always what's going to happen in the highlight episodes. But, I, you know, I miss my... Uh, I got to get a little Dago in there. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> okay, so do you have anything that's, else? Uh, no, man. I think that's that's it on my end. Okay. How about you? Well, then that is going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd just like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes, check out what we're doing online. We're on Twitter at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, and I hope you do, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's going to help a lot more people find the show. We have nine written reviews, um, and I don't know if some magical thing happens if we get ten, but it would be fun if we did. It, it would be something magical in my heart. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Anyway, uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week. Bye.